0: Today is January 14th, 2022. My name is Bill and you're here with day 14 of Bible in a Year with Bill. Today we're going to continue in the book of Genesis. We're going to read Genesis chapters 34 to 36. And then we're going to finish off today's reading with Luke chapter 14. So let's get right into it. With Genesis chapter 34. One day Dinah, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. But when the local prince Shechem, son of Hamor the Hivite, saw Dinah, he seized her and raped her. But then he fell in love with her and he tried to win her affection with tender words. He said to his father Hamor, get this, get me this young girl. I want to marry her. Soon Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah, but since his sons were out in the fields herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. Hamor, Shechem's father, came to discuss the matter with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the field as soon as they heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious that their sister had been raped. Shechem had done a disgraceful thing against Jacob's family, something that should never be done. Hamor tried to speak with Jacob and his sons. My son Shechem is truly in love with your daughter, he said. Please let him marry her. In fact, let's arrange other marriages too. You give us your daughters for our sons, and we will give you our daughters for your sons, and you may live among us. The land is open to you. Settle here and trade with us, and feel free to buy property in the area. Then Shechem himself spoke to Dinah's father and brothers. Please be kind to me and let me marry her, he begged. I will give you whatever you ask. No matter what dowry or gift you demand, I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. But since Shechem had defiled their sister Dinah, Jacob's sons responded deceitfully to Shechem and his father Hamor. They said to them, We couldn't possibly allow this because you're not circumcised. It would be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you. But here is a solution. If every man among you will be circumcised like we are, then we will give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters for ourselves. We will live among you and become one people. But if you don't agree to be circumcised, we will take her and be on our way. Hamor and his son Shechem agreed to their proposal. Shechem wasted no time in acting on this request, for he wanted Jacob's daughter desperately. Shechem was a highly respected member of his family, and he went with his father Hamor to present this proposal to the leaders at the town gate. These men are our friends, they said. Let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them. We can take their daughters as wives and let them marry ours. But they will consider staying here and becoming one people with us only if all our men are circumcised, just as they are. But if we do this, all our livestock and possessions will eventually be ours, or all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. Come, let's agree to their terms and let them settle here among us. So all the men in the town council agreed with Hamor and Shechem, and every male in the town was circumcised. But three days later, when their wounds were still sore, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, who were Dinah's full brothers, took their swords and entered the town without opposition. Then they slaughtered every male there, including Hamor and his son Shechem. They killed them with their swords, then took Dinah from Shechem's house and returned to their camp. Meanwhile, the rest of Jacob's sons arrived, finding the men slaughtered. They plundered the town because their sister had been defiled there. They seized all the flocks and herds and donkeys, everything they could lay their hands on, both inside the town and outside in the fields. They looted all their wealth and plundered their houses. They also took all their little children and wives and led them away as captives. Afterward, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have ruined me! You've made me stink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and parasites. We are so few, few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined, and my entire household will be wiped out. But why should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute? They retorted angrily. Genesis chapter 35 Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob told everyone in his household, Get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. We are now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings, and he buried them under the great tree near Shechem. As they set out, a terror from God spread over the people in all the towns of that area, so no one attacked Jacob's family. Eventually, Jacob and his household arrived at Luz, also called Bethel in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel, because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. Soon after this, Rebekah's old nurse, Deborah, died. She was buried beneath the oak tree in the valley below Bethel. Ever since, the tree has been called Anon-Bakuth, which means Oak of Weeping. Now that Jacob had returned from Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, Your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God had spoken to him there. Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. But Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense, after a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, Don't be afraid, you have another son! Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the bo- the baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave, and it can be seen there to this day. Then Jacob traveled on and camped beyond Migdal Eder. While he was living there, Reuben had intercourse with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Jacob soon heard about it. These are the names of the twelve sons of Jacob. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, were Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, were Gad and Asher. These are the names of the sons who were born to Jacob at Paddan Aram. So Jacob returned to his father Isaac in Mamre, which is near Kiriath Arba, now called Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had both lived as foreigners. Isaac lived for a 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died at a ripe old age, joining his ancestors in death. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Genesis chapter 36. This is the account of the descendants of Esau, also known as Edom. Esau married two young women from Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Oholabama, the daughter of Anah, and granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite. He also married his cousin Besamath, who was the daughter of Ishmael, and the sister of Nebaoth. Ada gave birth to a son named Eliphaz for Esau. Basamath gave birth to a son named Ruel. Oholibamah gave birth to sons named Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. All these sons were born to Esau in the land of Canaan. Esau took his wives, his children, and his entire household, along with his livestock and cattle, all the wealth he had acquired in the land of Canaan, and moved away from his brother Jacob. There was not enough land to support them both because of all the livestock and possessions they had acquired. So Esau, also known as Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir. This is the account of Esau's descendants, the Edomites, who lived in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's son, Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife Adah, and Ruel, the son of Esau's wife Besamath. The descendants of Eliphaz were Timan, Omar, Ziphon, Gatam, and Kenaz. Timnah, the concubine of Esau's son Eliphaz, gave birth to a son named Amalek. These are the descendants of Esau's wife Ada. The descendants of Ruel were Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These are the descendants of Esau's wife Basamath. Esau also had sons through Oholabama, the daughter of Anah and granddaughter of Zibion. Their names were Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These are the descendants of Esau who became the leaders of various clans. The descendants of Esau's oldest son, Eliphaz, became the leaders of the clans of Timan, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gatam, and Amalek. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom who descended from Eliphaz. All these were descendants of Esau's wife, Adah. The descendants of Esau's son, Ruel, became the leaders of the clans of Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom who descended from Ruel. All these were descendants of Esau's wife, Besamath. The descendants of Esau and his wife, Oholibama, became the leaders of the clans of Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These are the clan leaders who descended from Esau's wife, Oholibama, the daughter of Enah. These are the clans descended from Esau, also known as Edom, identified by their clan leaders. These are the names of the tribes that descended from Seir, the Horite. They lived in the land of Edom, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. These were the Horite clan leaders, the descendants of Seir, who lived in the land of Edom. The descendants of Lotan were Hori and Hamam. Lotan's sister was named Timna. The descendants of Shobal were Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. The descendants of Zibiah were Aya and Anna. This is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the wilderness while he was grazing his father's donkeys. The descendants of Anna were his son Dishon and his daughter Oholibama. The descendants of Dishon were Hemdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Kiran. The descendants of Ezer were Bilhan, Zevan, and Achan. The descendants of Dishan were Uz and Aran. So these were the leaders of the Horite clans, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan. The Horite clans are named after their clan leaders who lived in the land of Seir. These are the kings who ruled in the land of Edom before any king ruled over the Israelites. Bilah, son of Beor, who ruled in Edom from his city of Dinhaba. When Bila died, Jobab son of Zerah from Bozrah became king in his place. When Jobab died, Husham from the land of the Temanites became king in his place. When Husham died, Hadad son of Bedad became king in his place and ruled from the city of Avith. He was the one who defeated the Midianites in the land of Moab. When Hadad died, Samlah from the city of Masrika became king in his place. When Samlah died, Shaul from the city of Rehoboth on the river became king in his place. When Shaul died, Baal-Hanan, son of Akbor, became king in his place. When Baal-Hanan, son of Akbor, died, Hadad became king in his place and ruled from the city of Pau. His wife was Mahitabel, the daughter of Matred and granddaughter of Zahab. These are the names of the leaders of the clans descended from Esau, who lived in the places named for them, Timna, Alva, Jetheth, Oholibamah, Elah, Pinon, Kenaz, Timam, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Iram. These are the leaders of the clans of Edom, listed according to their settlements in the land they occupied. They all descended from Esau, the ancestor of the Edomites. The Book of Luke Chapter 14 One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, Is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed, and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. When, then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind." Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God! Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported there is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come, so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching, marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. And Father, anyone with ears to hear, I pray, Lord, that you would find a way for them to hear. Thank you for your word, Lord. And thank you, my friends, for joining me today on Bible in a Year with Bill. I hope to see you tomorrow. Take care now.